everyone. Welcome to Blue Royalty, a London is Blue podcast dedicated to the Chelsea women's team. I'm your host, Jessica Parker Humphreys, joined by Abdullah Abdullah for what is going to be a jam-packed show, guys. Chelsea been Chelsea-ing this week. It has been non-stop. On Tuesday, I basically just had to sit on Twitter all day because there was so much news and I like couldn't get away from sort of the reactions and tweeting about it. So we have absolutely loads to get through and... As a result, we're not really going to do a sort of standard match review of the Real Madrid game. Look, if Emma Hayes says it's boring, I'm happy to take her at her word. We will will have a little chat around it, but there's so much to talk through. There are so many games at the moment. Obviously, Chelsea are back on Saturday evening. So we'll start off with with the links to to Mara Ramirez, which have come up this week. Um, Also, uh, there's been more reporting that Kerr signed this contract extension. So we'll talk a little bit about what that might mean. Um, we got to get through Jesse Fleming's rumored departure, and then we'll sort of get into the the Real Madrid match stuff. So, Abdullah, let's like let's just get straight into this. Let's kick off with with Myra Ramirez. I am so excited about this one. Yeah, I mean, like honestly, like when we were we were talking about like, okay, what do we do with Sankur? Do you get a replacement? Do you get not? And I think. You know, initially there were no names that jumped out, right? I don't think we were able to name anybody that was like, okay, you know, who's good enough to be able to join Chelsea that is available, that is in cup ties with the Champions League? And Chelsea just went, hold on one second, we got you. We got <laughs> you. <laughs> and Myra Ramirez. And when you think about it, you're like, holy crap. Yeah, Myra Ramirez, experienced player, has a lot of goals, knows how to score, and kind of gives you. Like it kind of maybe puts the pressure a little bit off me, official. And I'm I'm excited. I mean, we've obviously most people saw her and kind of find out from her at the World Cup. Had a really good tournament with Colombia, um, and has been playing in Liga F for a while. And she's she's one of those strikers. And I think Liga F has a few of them. Amir Sariegi is probably another name that that could have come up in in this conversation. Is that outside of Barcelona, there are like a couple of strikers that still score like 10, 15, 20 goals a season and 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 they still end up being third, fourth. But because Barcelona and Real Madrid kind of dominate from a brand perspective and player perspective, the rest don't really get a look in by everybody else. But really, I, I think besides Sariegi and, and, uh, and uh, Ramirez, I really don't see Chelsea going for any other options. And I think in that sense, it's a really good pickup. She fits the style of play. Uh, it's, it's a very specific uh, pickup I think and uh, I'm just I'm excited because we just know what she can do and and uh, we and somebody that can actually finish so that'd be good yeah so this was obviously first reported by Relevo in Spain Sandra Raquel may coming in with this one uh, since been also reported by Anton from Sky and Tom Gary and the Athletic are reporting it now there's some sort of debate on what the fee exactly is. I think there's been some confused reporting. The original Spanish report said she had a clause, but it also said that because Levante basically, and this is kind of fucked up, it's a bit of a shame to be honest, because I love Levante as a team, as a club. Their men's team isn't in the first division in Spain. As a result, they're cutting their women's team. It tells old time. It really, really is sucky for one of like the most exciting teams in Spain that isn't Barcelona. Um, so that the original reporting sort of said that because they need to make money, they were like willing to let her leave for less. So not exactly sure right now what the fee will be. Everyone knows my opinions on fees in women's football are stupid anyway. So kind of also who cares? Um, 
25 goal contributions in Liga FA last year, 14 goals, 11 assists. We'll obviously do a full like deep dive analysis of her if and when she actually signs. I mean, I'm I'm saying if she was like watching the game at Stamford Bridge last night, so it is when. Um, I think, Abdullah, the reason why this feels like such a neat pickup from Chelsea is because this isn't somebody who you just get in and like when Kerr comes back, you can't use in any way. Like this is someone who's like still relatively young, um, she's 24 years old, that she's shown she can do it in Liga FA. She had a great World Cup. Ian Wright saying during the World Cup. I keep doing Ian Wright tweets on this podcast because I think at some point he's going to have to be a Chelsea fan because he's obsessed with all our players. Um, he tweeted, Myra Ramirez, easily one of the best number nines in the tournament, movement, link-up play. Um, and then it did the A-OK emoji. Uh, but yeah, it just feels like she's someone who will really suit the WSL and I think suit the way that Chelsea play. Yeah, exactly. And and it's it's obviously we've we've seen strikers in the past come into to Chelsea and whatnot and any other club and it's taken a while to adapt. But yeah, I get your point. It's 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 very it's a very specific, it's a very certain style of play. Um, you know, people have seen it. And I think I think it's one that it's relatively safe because yes, she's 24 years old but she seems like a very established 24 years old with a lot of experience kind of can come in and out and you almost feel like with Sam Kerr being out for as long as she probably is and I'm like let's let's be real probably till at least the end of the year you you look at someone like Kat Macario which we've talked about and then how long she's taken to come back and that was when Leon won the Champions League like a season and a half ago right and we're still waiting for her to get on the pitch to make some minutes whether it was for Leon or <clears throat> Chelsea so I think Myra Uma is coming in and kind of settling in. And by that point, you will actually have, have Mia Fischel and Myra Ramirez both up to speed with not just the way Chelsea play now with Emma Hayes. Whoever the new coach is going to be is going to be able to implement both of them in their own style. And then you then then there's no burden on Sam Kerr to come in and hit the ground running, so to speak, under the new system and regime. So because at that point you will have had a player or two players at the club for almost a year, both integrated into the club for a year and then and then both six months into a new tenure of a new coach. So I think it's a really good move from Chelsea. I think they've just done it. I think if Emma Hayes was more confident with, with Frank, I think if Frank Hubby was more fit and to play more 90 minutes, I don't think we would have bought a striker because I think Fran would have just taken those minutes as the number nine. But I think Chelsea have just kind of sped up the striker finding process from the summer to January and this opportunity came up and you know I think it's uh, I think it's really good so I'm I'm super excited and uh, like you said fees are nothing I mean if you really want to talk about it if we're doing it the reported Jesse Fleming fee of 250,000 pounds this essentially pays for half or if not the entirety of that fee so you really it's one in one out and so to speak so yeah yeah, definitely. Um, we will we will talk more about Ramirez, as I say, uh, and also sort of the impact on the wider squad because I think there's some like interesting ramifications to talk about. We'll do that in more detail when she signs. Um, but I think the thing that's also interesting is, um, originally reported by DAZN, um, now being reported by the Athletic as well. Um, which is that Sam Kerr has agreed a deal in principle to extend her contract at Chelsea. Um, I think this is something that most people like 
knew was coming as soon as Christy Muir signed for West Ham. But um, obviously, I think things with the ACL have sort of slowed stuff down, which maybe would have sped up if that hadn't happened. I'm still waiting to, to see if, when and how that's announced, obviously. Um, but this is interesting as well, though, because... Kerr will be back at some point and it's a really big deal to get her to resign and it's really exciting but you lose some of the excitement because you're like well we're not going to see her play for a year don't know how long it's going to take to like get her back looking really good but again it makes it kind of extra interesting that the club are making this move even though they know that Kerr's staying they still feel like right now and in the future it's worth having Ramirez around yeah exactly I think they, they, I mean, for them, it's definitely a calculated gamble in terms of cursing with the extension and having Myra Ramirez. And again, like, you know, we've we've talked about and we've not even talked about, we've seen Chelsea kind of, um, we've seen Chelsea knowing, you know, seeing and knowing that in the squad that anything can happen, anybody can get injured. And it's like, you will always need players of quality, right? You look at, you look at, depth of game the the depth in the squad you look at the games themselves how many games if anything games aren't being reduced games are being increased you're getting more and more games on a, almost on a on a seasonly basis and you know with the Champions League group stages two cup competitions and the league especially when you're going to have a new manager coming in with a whole new set of a whole new style so to speak you're going to need as many players as possible of the highest quality in every position to be able to then navigate yourself through. Because let's just say you have Kerr and Fischl, Kerr's injured and you just run with Fischl. If it doesn't work, what do you do? You can get a, a Romy Lecter from Ajax, for example, right? Young striker, 20 years old, 21 years old, scores a lot of goals. However, what happens if she doesn't work out, right? You don't have that experience off the bench. Whereas with Myra Ramirez at 24 been at a major tournament, played a lot for Levante, has proven that she's been able to score goals. You kind of buy a bit of proven uh, pedigree there. And again, I just don't think it's a big risk because Myra is going to get enough game time between now and Kerr's returning. Even when she returns, it's not going to be an immediate like 90 minutes every game that she's got enough time to establish herself and then fight for competition with, um, with Sam. And even then, I think there'll be a, a good mix of of games where she'll be able to come in and still start enough games to be able to play. And we've seen it with me official this season. So I just think that it's it's a very safe move from Chelsea and one that both benefits the, the team, both not even in the short term, but also in the long term. Yeah, and not to kind of repeat myself, but as I say, we'll, we'll talk about this more at a later date. But I think what's also important to consider when looking at this is Ramirez is not somebody who just plays as an out and out nine and in fact she's sort of arguably shone in something of like an attacking duo with Alba Redondo um, who's obviously a Spanish international part of the, the World, World Cup winning team um, and so I think there's lots of interesting options there in terms of like Ramirez's flexibility in playing in different elements of the attack but let's take a break here and then we will come back and have a little chat about the Jesse Fleming news. This was all part of Chelsea's mad Tuesday ins and outs, uh, which we had earlier this week. But Tom Gary reporting that Jesse Fleming is set to leave Chelsea and join Portland Thorns for around £250,000. Said goodbye to Chelsea teammates on Monday. She's adored by everyone at Chelsea and parts on great terms. We probably should have uh, twigged this. Well, I think I think some people did suggest it. Um, I was like, 
she might just be having a clear out. But now, in hindsight, Abdullah, the giving away her shirts after the West Ham game <laughs> feels like quite a clear sign. And obviously, she wasn't then in the squad for that uh, Manchester United game. Yeah, I guess, we, you know, we could have read the signs. And I think the last couple of weeks, Jesse has been playing kind of fewer and fewer minutes and fewer, fewer games, which, you know, to some extent, you can't really take anything out of that because you're like, Emma Hayes does this. She'll like play a couple of players for a long time. Suddenly they'll not play as much and then they'll suddenly come back. I mean, I'm hoping that Yelena Kankovic is just going through that sort of cycle and she actually comes back, right? Uh, and not get sold. I know the rumors are out there, but um it's it's interesting, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Is is there? I mean, there's an argument to say, you know, would you just not have kept Jesse Fleming as your fourth choice midfielder for depth for the rest of the season? I mean, I mean, there was that option as well. I mean, the fees is really like we said, fees is not really not much in in the women's game. So you know, what do you what do you do in that sense? But I'm assuming she would have then like the offer would have come in. She would have probably been asked to go because saying that look, I'm not playing as much. I can I can start over there, and I guess it's a little bit closer to home. But it's interesting because she signed that new contract just like a few months ago, and to get this offer in and and, and it kind of leaves. So I I guess it was more so that the the offer and the project was presented to her, and she kind of decided based on that. Because if if Chelsea were going to sell her, they wouldn't have just extended the contract. They would have just sold her in the summer, right? Why why wait six months? to 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 an extent but yeah it's uh it's it was it was fun but i think you know we've we've mentioned this before i don't think she just nailed down a position or a role i just think that she was just been like this like in, in a weird way an awkward fit in the positions that emma hayes has in her team like she was never a six she was like half an eight and half a 10 in the system. Whereas I think she's probably better suited to a different type of 10 that Chelsea play and not exactly the type of eight that Chelsea want to play, but can kind of still do both really well. And I think that's what we saw. Um, I think we can be inconsistent performances across the entire, entire Chelsea tenure. So great player. Fantastic. I will miss her, but um, in a way, I guess it was, it was a move that kind of maybe benefits everybody. Chelsea get a bit of money. You know, they could they would buy Myra Ramirez. Maybe this now gives that slot to Kankovic, who can now play more games and maybe is a bit more better suited in the squad. So she gets more minutes. And then overall, I think Chelsea benefit. Yeah, my personal view is this is just something that suits both parties. I know, for example, yeah, you were saying like she could be the fourth choice midfielder, but like I don't even know she would be the fourth choice midfielder when. Um, Shokanuskan's come in and she's looked so good and Hayes clearly likes and relies on Sophie Ingle a lot and you know I tweeted this but my personal feeling is that Fleming sort of had to show that she was better than one of Cuthbert and Leupold's and I never feel like I've never felt like she has been able to show that at Chelsea that doesn't mean that she's not going to be a better player than them in a different system in a different club sometimes I think things just do and don't work out and she is a such a luxury squad player for sure and I think it's really telling that uh, Hayes used her in a lot of very specific tactical setups and scenarios um, but I think especially when you look at the way Cuthbert and Leupold's are playing right now it feels like those two are very very nailed on you've got someone like Nuskin who is the player that's coming through who you want to be able to give those spare minutes to you know Jesse Fleming is the exact same age as Aaron Cuthbert I kind of feel like if you're not 
sort of quite at Aaron's level for whatever reason, whether it's because of the fit, whether it's for other reasons. Um, it kind of makes sense for, for Chelsea and for Jesse to move on because, you know, if, if there is an opportunity for Jesse to go and play um, at a team like the Portland Thorns and that's going to unlock, unlock something different for her, all all power to her because I think the thing that I find annoying, Adler, about some of the Jesse Fleming discourse we've had, and this has been this um throughout her time at Chelsea, is sort of this idea that she hasn't had chances. And, you know, this is a player who's made more than a hundred appearances for the club. Okay, you know, not all of those are starts, um, but she's played in some really important games for Chelsea as well. Um, you know, she's played in big Champions League games for them. Um, she's played like significant league minutes. She's had opportunities when players like Leupold's obviously went and had her baby. And I just feel like if you watch Chelsea regularly, everyone knows that it wasn't like she she never managed to become the player, you know? Yeah, I, I agree with you. And 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 it's it kind of is to some extent maybe a little bit unfair on her. Like you said, someone that's made a hundred plus appearances with the club, someone that clearly Emma Hayes has trusted throughout her time at the club. I mean, if she was somebody that didn't fit in at Chelsea or or didn't have a place or didn't have the trust of the manager, especially at that age, I don't think we'd be seeing her playing a hundred plus games. I mean, you look like someone, so you look at someone like uh I know I keep going back to it, but you look at Kankovic. Older player, more experienced, doesn't get as many minutes as as Fleming has had, you know, especially in her time over there. It's because again, it comes down to comes down to trust. It comes down to kind of suitability and et cetera, et cetera. Um, she's held on to four. I mean, like I know, I know, I just literally said that she's she wasn't suited to the different positions, but Fleming has played everywhere wherever required. Like you said, Leupold's left, she filled in that void. Kirby wasn't there. She filled in that void, right? It was a weather was an eight. She played and... left wing when Wrighton was out at the start of the season, and she looked she looked pretty good. Yeah, exactly, exactly. They, th- that was probably one. like the p- position I enjoyed her most in, ironically. <laughs> yeah, it's like that that inside left wing playmaker that kind of comes in, almost like Cole Palmer, like you know, like just kind of start off on the wing but comes inside and plays there. And so, really, you actually had a luxury squad player, like you said who was able to fill in different positions, but still kind of keep up the quality as to, to the best of ability and you didn't miss it. And I think going forward, I think we will miss that sort of utility player. Um, and there'll be games where we're like, I can bet you between now and the end of the season, there are going to be a couple of times we're going to go, you know who'd be perfect in that in that position instead of this player? Jesse Fleming. Oh, wait, Jesse Fleming's at Portland, you know? And uh, it is what it is. So, yeah, I, I guess we need to probably give her a little bit more credit than than, than she deserve, than she's had. Yeah, and I think, you know, there, of course there'll be moments when that happens. There was moments even in last night's game where I thought, oh, it'd be great to have, like, Jesse be able to come on and sort of run around for the last 20 minutes. But like, it's understandable that she doesn't necessarily want to play that role. But I, I can't look at Cuthbert and Leupoltz and say, yes, Jesse Fleming should start ahead of them. Um, and we always have the Tottenham screamer. That's probably my favourite memory. Just another bit of Chelsea-related NWSL news. Jiso Young has signed for Seattle Reign, which I think is fun. Um, I really like that for her. It sounds like she is getting her bag. So good for you, G. Um, I did a podcast last night with Carly Telford who said that um, G used to throw like mini temper tantrums in training and say that she was going to go and join PSG. And that really made me laugh. Um, I missed her at Chelsea. What a great person to have around the club. And I hope she has a lot of fun in the NWSL. 
we will take another ad break here and then we will actually talk a little bit about this win over Real Madrid and the fact that we've topped our Champions League group. So 2-1 in the end, Abdullah. This was not a scintillating game, as Emma Hayes eloquently said. Uh, Guru put us 1-0 up with a penalty after Hayley Razzo tripped Neve Charles. Some vintage WSL energy going on in that moment. Uh, Athena del Castillo equalised seven minutes later um, after Hampton sort of palmed a, a Razzo shot out to her. But fortunately... Um, anything our goalkeeper can do, Real Madrid's goalkeeper can do better because Aaron Cuthbert ran into the penalty area and uh, Mylene Chavas managed to palm the ball, juggle the ball basically into her own net after it came off a Real Madrid player. So that means we do finish as winners in Group D thanks to a lovely nil draw between BK Hacken and Paris FC. We are on 11 points after three wins, two draws. Hecken on eight, Paris FC on seven, and Real Madrid obviously were already out. They're on one. They're still yet to win a game in this group stage. Let's start Let's start by talking a little bit about the game, and then I think it's probably worth talking about what finishing top of our group means. So I think my view is it was a tough game. I thought Real Madrid were, like, decent. To be fair, I, I feel like somehow Real Madrid always seem to be much more organised when they play us than other people. Um, We had to win and we did, even though it wasn't very pretty. But why do you think Chelsea have... It feels like, just generally, Chelsea have struggled in these Champions League group games. Do you think it's sort of the pressure maybe that is riding on really trying to compete on multiple fronts because of Hayes' departure. I think we've seen in the past that everyone knows that we're willing to prioritise the Champions League, but this year feels a little bit different because I think we really want to win the league as well. Yeah, I, th I, think, I think the announcement of Emma Hayes departing has kind of maybe confused sort of priorities at Chelsea. And I guess it's it's one of those where, you know, if, if Emma Hayes is staying, you almost, I think maybe inside the club, it's like, oh yeah, it's fine. We'll we'll win the league. That's a given, right? It's almost like you're buying Munich in the Bundesliga sort of type deal, right? Where fine, like, you know, we'll win the league. That's a foregone conclusion. Whereas with Chelsea now, it's like, and I'm talking about mentality-wise, I don't mean in reality. Obviously, Chelsea have done really well to win the league, but it's like the mentality is like, we are going to win the league. Like It's not even a question, right? And I think now that she's gone, it's like, you know, we got to make sure we win the league because Emma Hayes is leaving, so let's leave on a high and win that fifth title. But hey, we also kind of need to win the Champions League, but let's not let go of what we have home, right? Whether it's the Cups or the thing. And maybe there's a sense of like, you know, let's secure the domestic dominance that we have. And if we don't win the, or if we get further enough in the Champions League, aka a quarter or a semi final, then maybe we can go back into full steam. I think because of the kind of the run of games now and everything, and knowing that they were so close to qualifying, Real Madrid were out, you know, that sort of thing. I just think that after such a big game against Manchester United, which was, you know, Emma Hayes' favorite of the season, I think the team was just like, Let's just go. Let's just win this game. However, let's not expend too much energy because we got to play in two, three days again against Brighton. Again, that's a league game, which again is probably more important to get three points there than there was against 
Real Madrid. Well, yes, they they won the game, they qualified, but they still technically had one more game against you know uh, against Paris to be able to kind of do something and get the points to qualify if required. They were already in a good position, so I think it's just more so of. Right now, the league is more important because we've kind of sewn up the Champions League group. So let's just put our energy and focus there and use this game as a get through it. And then we put the energy in the weekend games. Yeah, I I think that's I think it's fair. I think also it's probably just, you know, the nature of some of these performances coming straight after each other. You know, I think the West Ham game was obviously a frustrating one while we looked disjointed. We often look like that after we come back for breaks. United was improved at the start, but there were some tough moments. And I think here it was like, it was kind of dull, but we were also like, in hindsight, we were comfortable. You know, like there's a reason it was boring. And that's, again, I think comes back to this thing of sort of control that Hayes has been talking about a lot. And, you know, she um, she actually talked last night uh, about our favourite topic, Abdullah, which is conceding uh, goals in transition and said that that was something they did work on in Morocco. Whoa. So, wow, huge. Um, I'm glad we're not totally just making stuff up <laughs> as we go along. So sort of I think as a result of that, that's been a real focus. And she basically pinned that specifically on our tendency to want to attack and attack and attack. Um, to always try and score more goals. And that, as a result, that sort of like creates these um, transitional, create can create more transitional opportunities for opposition teams. And that's a bad thing. Um, obviously, Real Madrid, I think, generally like wanted to sit off a lot more um, compared to how United wanted to play. And I think that didn't help either. Let's talk a little bit about Fischl, because I thought it was interesting that she got the nod as the nine again. And I think obviously they didn't want to start Lauren James. She came on at half time. Um and she looked she looked really good. Um and I'm happy for them to like give her that rest. I think that's really important. She's obviously someone who who needs to be looked after. She's absolutely crucial for us right now. Um but it was interesting that Kirby didn't start as the nine because that option was there. She started the game. She started as a 10. And there were other options who could have played as the 10. I think Official. she had a couple of like half chances I think she probably should have done better with one of them um but some of them they they weren't like great chances it's just tough isn't it Abdullah because I feel like you want to see Fischl getting minutes and Fischl sort of signed up to be the second choice striker and now she's the first choice striker but then you've also got Ramirez like looking on from the stands and she official was like yanked at half time for this LJ sub to and then we had Frank Kirby's the nine. It's just like it feels like quite chaotic still in terms of um not even chaotic, but like uncertain, I guess, in terms of what's the best way to play right now. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, I I like Fischl. I think I th- I think Mia Fischl really does fit into our kind of way of playing and into our style. And I think it's very easy for, to forget that Mia Fischl is is a is a very young striker coming in from you know the Mexican league. I mean, at the age of twenty two, you know she, we we kind of forget that you know she's still young, born in in two thousand and one. And scored 38 goals and 48 appearances, you know, for Tigres back in uh, 
you know, over over a couple of seasons. And when you when you look at those stats, you kind of and the way she comes in, you're like, well, you know, this is this is good. This is and then we kind of forget that because she scored so many goals. There is going to be an adaptation time, and and you know, official finds herself in a position now where I, she still has six months on Ramirez, right? Ramirez is probably the more clinical striker and the one that that's maybe a little bit in more in form right now. There is there's a good chance that Mia Official still gets to continue to get the nod when when Emma Hayes does decide to play striker because Ramirez will take a little bit of time to adapt. Emma Hayes is going to do her usual integrating a new player into the into the team, into the culture, understand how she plays, give her the cameo appearances. So there is still time for Mia Official to to give um, uh, Emma Hayes the, the the confidence to keep starting and make her the first choice and let Ramirez fight for that position. And at the end of the day, I think it can only be a good thing, right? Both are going to learn off each other, and both will push each push each other to to go into go into the game. And like you said, there's no reason why both can't play together. So there could be a situation where Ramirez is playing on one side, and then you have Mia Official playing and leading the line up top, and then they kind of work around there. But um, no, I, I I think I think Mia Official is 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 good and and i think she will i think she will get her fair chance because i think so far she's proven that she has a place in this team and she can be very effective yeah and i think hopefully maybe this is just sort of the opportunity for her to do the bits that we've seen her doing kind of coming on later in games and um being that that outlet and being able to sort of do the hold up players as games go on um but it'll be interesting to see i enjoyed that we did get to see fran as the nine um i'm i still didn't love it um but i'm glad i got to see it i think i do think it's a fun option and i think she suits it more than lj um it just with with her abilities but again it's obviously such a question mark sort of i guess how many minutes Fran's able to play. And I feel like between the two of them, LJ and Fran, it's about sort of managing them both. Um, but I do I do enjoy her her movement a lot more in that that role. Um Abdullah, you wanted to shout out Melly Leupoltz just in this game and in general, but uh I thought, yeah, her and Erin uh together, obviously Erin was captaining it. Um they are looking like a really formidable unit together and it's felt like about five years maybe not quite that long but like three years maybe since Chelsea have had like a real reliable like midfield that you're like okay please just let these two stay fit and be able to play like the games that they need to play Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, like I was telling you, like I, I just, I just feel like ever since Melanie Leupold has come back into the side um, in the last few games, she's just really given Chelsea this stability and this base that I think that was was that was missing for a long time. And Sophie Ingle has been giving that every now and then, but then there'll be that odd game where maybe it lets go. But even in a game that was boring like this, and even in games where against Manchester United, where it's a bit more energy and a bit more frantic. Melanie Leupold just kind of went under the radar in a good way and just kind of sat there and said, I'm going to support you. Erin, you go do your thing. And I think Erin's biggest quality, being the beast that she is, I think her best performances come when she has a partner that's a bit more stable next to her. Yes, she's had good performances with Shirk and Nuskin, but I think the best performances have come next to Sophie Ingle or now with Melanie Leupold. Because... You have someone like Shikanuskin who is bombing forward as almost like a number 10. 
And that's what Aaron Cuthbert's been doing anyway. But when you switch Aaron Cuthbert into the six, she's again amazing at that. I will, you know, for me, she's she's still a quality converted number six, which you know I think is is what's made her into the player that she is right now. But so far, by like taking you know taking the team forward, being the leader and the captain of the team, and being able to kind of take Chelsea through, she just needed that 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 presence next to her, and it it helps that. She has an experienced player. Again, another similarity is that Leupold is as experienced as Sophie Ingle. So to have that calm ahead next to her to go, okay, I'll let you do what you want to do. And I will. Un- I understand what I need to do behind you to be able to support you in the best way possible. So for me, I think I thought Meline Leupold was was fantastic. And I, 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 I don't know if we're going to do player of the matches. We are, but uh, I think I already know who I'm going to give mine to. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited. I think Leupold definitely looks fresh having had that time out with sort of some injury and illness, but I'm I'm really excited to see her and Erin continue to like basically rebuild that relationship and, and carry on from, from where they from where they were. I do have a little bone to pick, a goalkeeping bone to pick, and this is about Hannah Hampton. Um she obviously made her first Champions League start, but she was at for the goal and this is something that I really find irritating about goalkeepers is palming shots out to attackers sometimes it can't be helped but this is the issue for me and maybe I'm just a bit old school on this Abdullah but I get that Hampton is our best goalkeeper with the ball at her feet I believe and agree with that but the concern always has been is you are sacrificing shot stopping now can Hampton develop to be as good a shot stopper as someone like AKB potentially she's very young when we did the uh Hannah Hampton episode with Josh Pugh who was goalkeeping coach he had lots of interesting things to say about how goalkeepers develop because I do think there is a tendency just to think of their skills as being a lot more set uh, which we never think about outfield players if you haven't listened to that I really recommend it like Josh is a super cool guy really worth a listen um but yeah for me this felt like a, there were a couple of like ooh moments there was like a moment where I think it's from a corner she's like trying to get the ball and she doesn't really get anywhere near it um even beyond the goal there was another moment where she sort of palmed the ball in the same kind of way just fortunately there wasn't a Real Madrid player there and the thing that was almost annoying me the most about this and to a certain extent maybe we didn't predict Real Madrid were going to sit off as much as they did but like we didn't really need her ever to have the ball at any point so if you just had sort of sacrifice shot stopping for like no real need for possession anyway yeah exactly so um yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's one of those things that we exactly what we what we said in the last uh, sorry uh, earlier on was that Hannah Hampton is a very potentially a very good goalkeeper, but can she be consistent with her shot stopping? Right in the in the United game, she was great, uh, had a few good stops, but um, in this game, you know, you had that one mistake for palming the ball out to the to the and I guess that's part of the you know part and parcel of the development that you're going to have for a goalkeeper that's that's very very young and uh, coming into into a big side like Chelsea. I agree. Did we need to 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 have the ball at our, at our feet sort of thing against you know against a team like Real Madrid? Probably not. 
again in a game where you're more safe about winning and you know the results are isn't as jeopard you know it's not much jeopardy in this game so maybe giving akb or even musevich uh an opportunity with who are you know arguably better shot stopping than than her would have been a, a good point a good a good point but um yeah i mean i wouldn't have minded if if um uh, but i guess it was just a way to give her a champions league debut but I could, you could have just done that against Paris when probably the game is, I mean, it's, it is now, but like you could have given her the game against Brighton and then given her the game against Paris after that in terms of back to back, you know, starts in the Champions League and league in. But um, it kind of just puts a question mark over AKB right now. Is, is, is this the first and second choice goalkeepers? What's happening with AKB? But um, at least we have three goalkeepers to go through for the rest of the season who are all good at something. So whatever we need them for, we can use them. And, uh, and you know, in a way, we won the game. So obviously it's hindsight is, is amazing. But rather have Hampson make these mistakes early on now where it's not as consequential than it is maybe in like late in the season where every game and every minute counts. Yeah, I think that's true. And she does have to sort of play to get there. I just, yeah. I don't know. It's just one for me to, I think, keep an eye on because it's the kind of thing that maybe I'm just a bit more predisposed. I'm sure some people who feel like um, the possession stuff is more important will feel differently. And that is fine. That is why football is fun and interesting and worth talking about. Okay. Um, I think the biggest benefit of this, obviously, is we've topped the group. We've got a game to go. We've now got the opportunity to rotate as much as we want in Paris. I would be perfectly happy with us sending basically all the kids to go out and play there. Um, Hayes also suggested in a post-match that there might be some rotation for Brighton. Um, I think it'd be great to see Agaviva Jones get another start. Um, I think I'd like to see her start in both those games. Be totally down to see uh, Keris Brown and uh, Ashanti Akpan in, in Paris potentially as well. Um, yeah, I think that would be, they would be really, really worthwhile. Um, little Millie update too was that she potentially possibly that's not a direct quote but it was a bit like vague uh be back on the grass around the time of the international break potentially just before potentially just after that's basically the end of february so that's that's where we are at that um on the quarterfinal front the draw is taking place on the 6th of february first leg on the 19th or 20th of march second leg 27th or 28th of march and as it stands to be fair, I'm going to run through this, but you guys will know better than us because uh, some of this can be decided tonight. But the potential opponents realistically look like being probably Benfica from Group A, but could be Frankfurt, probably Brand from Group B, but could be Slavia Prague. Uh, and then Group C, who knows? That group is, is doing a madness. So that's Bayern, PSG, Roma and Ajax. That group is still like, lots of things to play for, for, for lots of people. Um, so I think those names though, Abdullah, it feels like, although inevitably I'm sure we're going to get someone from that group C, but you could just feel how important topping the group was and being able to avoid, um, Barcelona and Leon in, in the quarterfinal. Yeah, if you're going to play Barcelona and Leon, take them in the semifinal, like don't take them in a quarterfinal, because at least if you get to a semifinal, you know, and you lose at least you made it to a semi-final right it's not like you've made it to the core because the way the women's football uh, champions league works is there's no round of 16 per se right it's just straight quarterfinals and you're like well so you got out at the first knockout round rather you 
you get out at the second last stage of the of the competition, right? Um, so in that sense, I think it's it's um, it's great. Yeah, give me anybody from Group A and B, I'm okay with it. Group C, Group, you know, C, like, I mean, we could probably beat Bayern, PSG, Roma, or Ajax. We could, uh, but it's one of those where with Chelsea's form, whenever it is, it's like, can you though? Are you sure? You know, you'd rather you know. So I mean, again, like we've beaten PSG last season in in the in the in the group stages, so it wasn't like we can't beat them. And they're they're such a random team. They could be the best team in the world, but they could be the worst team in the world at the same time. Bayern have you know are here and there as well. Roma are decent, and Ajax are, are okay. Probably beat both of them. So yeah, I mean, maybe my probably I'd be the most scared of someone like a Frankfurt just because they've got some quality players under the radar, and um, you never know what will happen in a game in a game like that where they'd be fired up as the pure underdogs and Chelsea going as the favorites. But like, I think for the most part, I think I think we're just we've just done well to avoid the two big ones. Yeah, and obviously you don't want to take any quarterfinal game lightly, but I think also potentially seeing the benefits of some of those surprise um, dumpings on the way to the competition. Basically, I still think we should say thank you to Paris FC. Well, also we should say thank you to them because they're nil-nil draw with Hecken, obviously, help confirm us as, as group winners. Um, player of the match then from this one? You, you've you given it away already. <laughs> Melanie Leupold for me, just great performance. And I'm really looking forward to seeing her kind of have an impact for the rest of the season. Yeah, I'll give it to Erin because I always give it to Erin at this point. And I love her. And she made the final goal. So credit to Erin. Um, yeah, great to see her with the armband. Just to finish off then, we need to talk a little bit about Conti Cup madness. Because whilst we were playing in the Champions League group stage as the only English team, everyone else had to play the Conti Cup. And wow. It was Conti cupping. So it was the final match day yesterday. Basically, there is actually another game tonight. Um, and it looked like we were sort of going to basically know everyone who'd gone through from all of that until Carl Ward um, brought on Noel Maritz in Aston Villa's game against Sunderland. And Noel Maritz has already played on multiple occasions in this competition for Arsenal. So it's not allowed. Uh, so it's going to have to go to a tribunal to exactly see who's going to go through. Obviously, we come in at this quarterfinal stage. So there's five groups, seven teams go through. And there's so two best second place teams get a spot. And this is sort of where some of the confusion is coming from because our Aston Villa just chucked out is there like points given to Sunderland how does that affect things for United who are currently one of the second best teams Mark Skinner has said United deserve and must be in the quarterfinals uh currently definitely through our Arsenal City uh Manchester City that is London City Lionesses and Brighton uh and then there's these question marks over Villa who I can I think we can assume might not be there I don't know uh Manchester United Sunderland and Spurs will also have a good shout on that one, I think. So we're still sort of waiting to see exactly how that all gets played out. Uh, the draw is supposed to take place tomorrow, Friday, that is, at 6.30 UK time. I don't know if that's going to be delayed given this or if they're going to figure it out overnight. Um, but the important bit is the quarterfinals will be on the 7th or 8th of February. So 
that is coming up quite soon. So there is going to be another extra game. Our run of um, lots of midweeks is going to continue. So that leads us to Brighton away on Saturday. That's a 5.30 kickoff. Then we've got that game against Paris on Tuesday. Everton on the 4th. That's a late kickoff. Conti Cup quarterfinal. Palace in the FA Cup. And then Manchester City. And then we take a deep breath and it's the international break. It's a totally crazy schedule, this Abdullah. Oh, it's mad. I know we, we've talked about the schedule and the importance of, of the squad. But yeah, it's um, it's an absolutely mad set of games. But um, you know what? This is why we have such a deep squad. And this is why we have players like Mario Ramirez and Natalie Bjorn coming in. And, and you know, um, if we can have anything like the impact that Natalie Bjorn's given us already... Um, then uh, with with Mario Ramirez and maybe a, a, someone like a Kankovic coming back, then I think we'll be fine. And I think just we're just going to see a lot of rotation for the next uh, couple of weeks, and we'll kind of just have to roll from there. Yeah, definitely. And I think you know that that benefit of having Paris is not this big game that has everything riding on it is going to be really really crucial. Um, hopefully that that's you know gives everyone the opportunity who needs it to have a rest and then we don't have another game until that uh, Sunday late kickoff. So that's quite a good break there, given that we don't have to go all out against Paris. Um, we will obviously be back after the Brighton game. I'm looking forward to heading up to what was formerly known as the People's Pension Stadium, even though I get mad every time that it's not close to me because they put it in Crawley and that is actually really, really annoying. I'm not working so I can have a beer. It's going to be a great, great Saturday evening. So um, have fun, anyone who's going to that. Uh, enjoy watching it, everyone, as well. But until then, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. <laughs>